When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Charles Sabansi from the Dreamers Pro Show, and we want to welcome you guys to the Dreamers Pro Podcast, where we cover everything from sports, hot topics, classic debates, entertainment, and where we give you guys a fresh perspective on things and how we see them. Now, let's get started with the first topic of today's show. So yesterday uh, was a very exciting day for me. Um, There haven't been many games that I've been looking forward to this year on the calendar, uh, but this was one of them, and it's going to be one of those. It was going to be the Lakers versus uh, the Clippers, one of the more interesting matchups in the NBA because both of these teams don't travel <laughs> for that game. They both play in the same arena, uh, so it's, it's, it's always interesting. Now, historically, the Clippers have beaten the Lakers eleven times in a row, which is quite incredible. I think the last time the Lakers were able to beat the Clippers uh, was back in 2020. That goes to show you just how many years it's been. And the Clippers have been the Lakers with Kawhi Leonard, without Kawhi Leonard. They just, for whatever reason, uh, have had the Lakers number. And yesterday before that game started, I actually put up a poll and the majority of the people actually thought that the Clippers were going to win. And I was one of them, right? I mean, you watch a team win 11 games in a row. I don't know why all of a sudden you would um, feel that something was going to change. But a very small amount of people... Uh, chose the Clippers to lose that game. So what happened? I was watching the game, and in the first quarter, uh, Kawhi Leonard was going off. I think he scored 18 points in that first quarter. It was it was a it was basically a total force, and the Clippers are coming off of a back to back. Although they didn't travel, but they looked to be the more energetic team in the first half. Now, as I was watching that game, LeBron and these guys, because the Lakers got down, I believe it was 18 points at one point, <clears throat> but I could see LeBron. Uh, and these guys essentially uh, pacing themselves, at, at least LeBron. Other guys weren't really coming along uh, like Austin Reeve and others. But LeBron seemed to be pacing himself, and they were able to cut the lead, I believe, by the first half. Let me go to the box score here. I think in the first half, the lead was, let me tell you the score in the first half. The first half, the, the Clippers had a lead of, 40, let me see what it is. No, 61 to 48. So it was about the 13-point lead. But then it got to the third quarter, uh, and that's when things started to change. In that third quarter, the Clippers only scored 24 points to the Lakers, 39. Now, what happened in that third quarter? In that third quarter, uh, Kawhi Leonard went ice cold. Although he only scored, he scored six points in that quarter, but he he only shot 37%. He was three uh, three of eight from the field. Uh, and as a matter of fact, Kawhi scored um, six that quarter. Russell Westbrook scored eight. But on the Lakers side, 
D'Angelo Russell came on. He scored 12. Then Anthony Davis scored 12. Then LeBron scored four. And then what happened? We get to the fourth quarter, and Paul George goes off for 20. Kawhi Leonard only scores two, and he was only held to two field goal attempts. And it made sense because they were playing through Paul George. He was the hot hand. But then LeBron James goes and scores 12 points in the fourth quarter, shooting five of six from the field. And funny enough, with about two minutes left in that game, I actually said to myself, I kid you not, I said that the Lakers are going to win this game. And I was angry because I stayed up very, very late on my end to watch the game. So I said the Lakers are going to win this game. So what did I do? I put up a comment on the channel. I said, this is very impressive by LeBron. And I said, good win. Because LeBron James reminded the world uh, why he's one of the five greatest players of all time. In that fourth quarter, LeBron reminded me uh, why I have him as one of the four greatest players of all time. Now, if you disagree with where I have him, that's, I don't care really. Uh, That's my ranking. But what I was watching was very impressive. I'm not even going to lie to you. It was very impressive given the moment, uh, given the momentum swing, given how easy the game, you see, LeBron scores the easiest when he has his jump shot going. Uh, And he had his jump shot going. That's when he's unguardable because usually he scores from the paint. But when he ha- when he has his jump shot going, then his his offense really unlocks and things become very easy for him. And he had his mid-range pull-up jump shot going. And then you saw once he had his jumper going, uh, the shots just became very easy for him. And the basket, I mean, the rim just, you could tell, just opened up uh, for him there. So to watch how he was performing, it was extremely, extremely impressive. I'm not even going front. Uh, it was a very, very, very impressive uh, showcase uh, by him in that game. And to me, um, I think that that was a must win for the Lakers. They needed it. Uh, and LeBron ended up scoring two points in the overtime, but Austin Reeves scored seven. And I think the turning point in that fourth quarter, in that overtime, so essentially what happened was I wish the Lakers a good night. Uh, I mean, that they won the game. And then what happens? I then turn off my computer and I was like, let me just open up the app on my phone and let me just look at it. And I look and I saw it was like 117, 114, with like 30 seconds ago. I'm like, but they were just down like what looked like double digits. I'm like, how did that happen? By the time I put on my computer, I saw the game was tie and it was going into overtime. I'm like, wait, overtime? So I then tune in and then I see Paul George files out immediately. And Paul George was the hot hand for the Clippers uh, uh, in that game. He was a hot hand uh, for them. And then Kawhi came on. He scored eight points in that fourth in that OT. But overall, I think it was a very good game. And LeBron is the one that impressed me the most. You notice we put stun in the title. The reason I said the Lakers stunned the Clippers is because the Clippers had won 11 straight against the Lakers. So it was a stunning turn of events. To me, um, I think the Lakers deserve to win that game. Both team blue, both teams blew leads in the end. Uh, the Lakers blew a very close lead. I mean, a very uh, good lead at the end of the game to take the game into overtime. The Clippers blew a very big lead at the, at the beginning of the game. But uh, I think the team that executed ultimately came away victorious in that game. And I think the Lakers deserve to win. 
Um, there are no moral victories here for the Clippers. Uh, even though, yes, it was a back-to-back, even though Kawhi Leonard played 41 minutes, you know, the Clippers were in a position to win that game, uh, ultimately. And as I was watching that game kind of transpire in that, in that overtime, it led me to begin to ponder some other things about James Harden that I'm, that I'm going to get to in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in another show. But overall, man, LeBron really showed, I mean, not, he didn't show the, I'm, I'm sure for LeBron James fans, they already knew this, but uh, it was very, very impressive. All right, my mind going front. You got to give it up. You got to give it up. Now, what we're doing now is something that other people that don't like our channel, they don't like some of our favorite, they would never do. They will never do. And I said, you know what? Let me be, let me be gracious to, uh, to the Laker fans here. Now, uh, it is fair to say that they are still, you guys still have some very obnoxious fans. I woke up this morning, some idiot wrote me like two books on Instagram, adding me, adding Paul George, adding Russell. You got to be a flaming idiot to do something like that. But somebody did that. And of course, you're going to have those obnoxious morons uh, that do that. But overall, man, it was it was a very, very impressive win by the Lakers. Uh, I think the Lakers now go to three and two and the, the Clippers go to three and two on the season. Excellent win. And um, I think LeBron James deserves every bit of credit uh, that he's going to get for the rest of the day, because that was an, that was a very, very impressive win. And he showed up. I mean, at that age and in this stage of his career, it was absolutely spectacular. So my hats off to LeBron James, my hats off to the Lakers. You guys definitely deserve that win. And, uh, you know, good job for you guys. I thought the Lakers are going to be a good team this season. So this really doesn't surprise me. And I think they should keep this up. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. Let me get into this topic uh, here. So yesterday <clears throat> was a very big game in the NBA. We got to see the Battle of LA between the Los Angeles Lakers and the Los Angeles Clippers. And whenever, whenever these games kind of... Um, Whenever these games come on, there's always a lot of fanfare, right? Uh, there's always a lot of excitement. There's a buzz. A lot of people want to see uh, these two teams go head to head. And there's always great theater. Uh, and that's exactly what happened yesterday. Um, the Lakers and the Clippers put on a spectacular uh, display that kept all of us on the edge of our seats uh, all throughout that game. So to me, it was a very, very impressive and fun game. Uh, what is it to watch? Uh, yesterday, ultimately, I would have liked the I would have liked the Clippers to come away victorious, but the Lakers played very well. LeBron James played very well, played like the top five player he is of all time. Some people will say he's a goat, whatever, but to me, he really, um, he really, you know, put forth another stellar performance at an advanced age uh, that he is, and he should be commended for that as one of the greatest players of all time. So that happened. Now on the Clippers side, when the James Harden news initially broke, um. I was the one. I was one of the people that was livid uh, by this move because I just didn't feel that this would be a good move. Not just apart from a from an X and O standpoint, but more from a chemistry standpoint and a cultural standpoint. Uh, James Harden has basically forced his way out of the th the last three locations he has been. That's the Houston Rockets, the Brooklyn Nets, and now the Philadelphia 76ers, where he now finds himself uh, being a Los Angeles Clipper. Uh, at the time the trade went down, I was saying to myself, the Clippers don't need James Harden. Um, they're already a loaded roster. They have all of their their horses. So I don't know why they would go out there and try to complicate things by getting another scoring uh, point guard slash two guard 
uh, on their roster. But nevertheless, they pulled the trigger. Steve Ballmer and these guys said they're going to swing for the fence. And they're giving themselves every single opportunity to try to capture a championship this year. And I think James Harden, to a certain extent, is an insurance policy for some of those guys in case they go out. And I said this before, um, initially when the news broke. So that happened. So yesterday, I was watching the game. I was watching the game. And as you guys know, Russell Westbrook this season for the Clippers is averaging 15 points per game on 51.6% shooting from the field. He's shooting 38.9% from the three, which is spectacular. That's the highest he shot uh, in his NBA career, albeit it's only been um, five games. He's shooting 50% from the free throw line, although he's only attempting two free throws uh, per game. Just yesterday before the game, he was shooting 40%, so I wouldn't pay too much attention to that number. Instead, he is getting you, get this, 7.8% rebounds a game and averaging 1.6 offensive rebounds as a guard. That's unheard of as a point guard. That's unheard of. Uh, that's what Russell Westbrook is giving you. He's giving you seven assists as well. 3.8 turnovers last night. If I'm not mistaken, Russell Westbrook finished that game, I believe with six or seven turnovers. Let me see. He finished that game with six turnovers, right? I'll get to that in a moment. Um, and he's getting you 2.2 steals per game, which is the most he's averaged since 2014 so that is spectacular and also if you watch the game uh russell westbrook plays with a lot of energy um he's tenacious he's going to crash the board he's going to get in the guys um and he's playing at 120 miles per hour which is a good thing but at times it can come back and actually hurt you and that's really the part i want to focus on um a few things that i want to touch on number one sometimes Russell Westbrook can play out of control. If you look at the end of that game, he had a turnover where he just hit the floor. I mean, he just slipped down on the floor. He sometimes has some unforced errors. He wasn't the only one. Kawhi Leonard did as well. Other players made turnovers uh, in that game. But there was something that was just kind of sitting with me as I was watching the game. And I said to myself, what would it be like if James Harden were to start and Westbrook were to come off the bench? We know Westbrook is going to push the tempo. We know he's going to attack the teeth of a defense and create a lot of open shots for players as he collapses defenses. Maybe he's able to kick it out to open shooters or maybe cause a hockey pass, get guys moving, really get the defense to move from side to side. Um, He does that. He's going to rebound the ball very well. He's going to crash the offensive board, get you second uh, possessions, which is something that's, um, you know, that, that cannot be under... Uh, you know, under uh, you, you, you you cannot you cannot understate that. Yesterday, for example, he got seven. Uh, he got eleven rebounds. Four of them were offensive rebounds. That's that's spectacular. He had more offensive rebounds than uh, than than PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker, who had five, and he brought in a lot of energy in that game. So he's going to do those things for you, and he's going to assist the ball. But I said to myself, I said, what if James Harden was the one playing? What does he give the Clippers? Well, just looking at Harden. James Harden is a career 24.7% score from the game. He's a career 5.6 rebounder from the game, so he's not going to get you the same amount of rebounds that Westbrook is going to get you. He is going to get you seven assists per game. However, what he is going to do is he's going to be able to space the floor for you. Uh, And that's something that's vital. Last year for the 76ers, he shot 38.5% from the three. And I'm saying to myself as I'm watching that game, what if it was Harden? 
Harden is not going to give you the defensive energy. Um, he's going to have to cause you to overcompensate on the defensive side of the floor. But he's also going to make you pay, especially when you go to that small ball lineup. Because that small ball lineup, when they move P.J. Tucker to the five, is when the Clippers were able to get back in the game. Now, for that to work, you need to have perfect spacing on the floor. And you need to trust that that guy is going to hit an open shot. Well, if you remove Russell Westbrook, you have a guy that's shooting 38% from the field, from the floor in James Harden. You have a Paul George shooting in the high 30s. You have Kawhi Leonard who's shooting in the high 30s. I forgot, and I think they had Norman Powell in the game who can shoot close to 40% from the three. And I think that it makes that small ball lineup more lethal. Now, if we look at turnovers per game, let me see what uh, Harden is only averaging 3.4 turnovers a game. Uh, the most he averaged before was when he was playing with Brooklyn, which was 4.8, and they both, then they both turn over the ball quite a bit. But I just want to believe that Harden is going to be able to control the ball a little bit better because he has a better handle. Russell Westbrook, from time to time, the ball can slip out of his hand. It will just go anywhere uh, at, at various points. And to me, after watching that game, I came to the conclusion that I would be open to seeing what James Harden will look like in the starting lineup as the starting point guard. I would be very interested to see. We've seen Russ, and Russ is, play, is playing exceptionally well. But yesterday was the first time I said to myself, I said, you know what? I wouldn't mind seeing what Harden would be like as a point guard starting that game. And, I, and you know, the Clippers are going to have four days off. And, 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 you know, I commend those guys for playing back-to-back. -back, but they're going to have four days off. Uh, we've heard that James Harden is going to start uh, when he starts on Monday in New York. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. Let me get into this topic. I think this is going to be an interesting one. Now, as you guys know, two seasons ago, all hell broke loose when Russell Westbrook signed with the Los Angeles Lakers. And you had people in the media twerking it up all over the place, knocking over people's drinks out of sheer excitement uh, that the Lakers are going to be able to compete with the Brooklyn Nets at the time who had James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. And we're going to see a finals matchup of the Nets and the Lakers. Well, what happened? The Nets definitely never made it to the finals. And neither did the Lakers. As a matter of fact, that season, the Lakers didn't even make it into the play-in tournament. And it turned out to be an absolute disastrous, when I say disaster, disastrous uh, season that year. Um, and the majority of the blame fell at Russell Westbrook's feet. That season, he averaged for the Lakers 18.5 points per game. Uh, he shot 44% from the field, 29.8% from the three, let's say 30%, 66.7% from, 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 from the free throw line. And it, I mean, it was an absolute disaster and it was a terrible, terrible, terrible fit. Now, Russell Westbrook didn't help his cause at times because number one, he did not play well that season. Uh, number two, he was very, very combative and he was averaging 3.8 assists, uh, 3.8 turnovers a game and he was combative with the media, right? But what we also noticed was that Russell Westbrook was being made out to be the number, the, the face of all of the issues that the Lakers were facing. 
And it was something that that many of us believe uh, was deliberate. And it was one of the reasons why you had had people like Charles Barkley calling out the Lakers for trying to blame Frank Vogel and Russell Westbrook for everything, knowing damn well they lost as a team. Now, was he a bad fit? Absolutely. But Russell Westbrook was definitely demonized by the media. Definitely demonized to the point where a lot of people were beginning to wonder, wait a minute, we've noticed a trend that whenever, whenever LeBron James teams don't do well, there's always going to be blame that's going to be passed around uh, to other to other players. And in this case, we're asking the question, well, is Russell Westbrook now the latest scapegoat? And some of us are beginning to ask the question, if, if Westbrook is being blamed this poorly, I'm sure some of this has to be coming out of the Lakers camp and maybe a clutch from clutch sports as well. Right. A lot of us were wondering this. Now, whenever you saw Russell Westbrook in the media, you would always talk, you know, you always say the right thing. Uh, you know, he's always, I'm willing to do whatever it takes for the team, willing to do whatever it takes for the team. The second year, they then asked Russell Westbrook to come off the bench. He even agrees. And, you know, they were trying to play, but it wasn't really working out. But a lot of us were speculating that the Lakers were doing this to, the, to, to Westbrook. And I'm sure Russell Westbrook, a part of him, must not have liked how the Lakers were throwing him under the bus. And he must have felt a type of way to LeBron James. Fantastic. So what happens? Yesterday, they meet up for the first time uh, while he's a, and a, yeah, well, as, as, as a clipper. And he makes his return to L.A. And what happens? When Westbrook comes out, he gets booed. Now, if you know anything about LeBron James, he's a he's a happy guy. Like, he goes out there, he'll shake everybody's hand. Hey, you know, hug it up. That's how he is. That's his personality. I'm not knocking him. That's how he is. But then something interesting happened. A video surfaced of Russell Westbrook and LeBron James actually avoiding each other. And Westbrook went to the other side of the court under the basket. And him and LeBron James never even greeted throughout that entire game. And this oh, this video was actually released by, um, uh, brought to us by FadeAwayWorld.net. So what we want to do is we want to play the video for you. It's very short, like a 20-second clip. I want you guys to watch it, and then we're going to come back and continue on with the show. Uh, take a look at that. So you saw the video. Now, if you were watching the game, you will also see that there was a point where Westbrook tried to go up for a layup and LeBron James punched the hell out of that ball and said, get that, you know what, up out of here. And to me, this is what I think. I'm just going to speak for my opinion. I think that by at the end of Russell Westbrook's tenure with the Lakers, I think there was no relationship between him, between him and LeBron James. I think Westbrook viewed LeBron as you guys know that we failed this 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 project failed we failed as a unit we didn't get it done but you sat back and let the media throw me under the bus and y'all never really came to my defense not really at all except for one time but i think that russell westbrook didn't feel he wasn't liking how the lakers threw him under the bus and how lebron really didn't come to his defense all that much and he kind of let all of that go Right, I've heard Kobe Bryant come to the defense of Powell when the Lakers were really pissed off at Powell. And he called out Laker fans like, no, cut it out. This is not going to happen. LeBron recently did that with Anthony Davis, but he never did anything of the sort with Russell Westbrook. And the part I think that, that might sting Westbrook is that he's like, y'all recruited me. Y'all wanted me here. Y'all wanted me here. So it was all love when we were winning or, before, or, or when we thought of the idea of winning. But the minute things fall apart, you just leave me out to the wolves. I mean, it got so bad that you had people coming out with reports calling Russell Westbrook 
a vampire. Now, to me, I think it was a PR job by the Lakers. Um, and they wanted to make Westbrook look bad. I believe that. Um, and I think that other people in the media had various reasons for attacking him. Skip Bayless made it his personal vendetta to attack him. Shannon Sharp uh, at every turn for a year plus attack Russell Westbrook. Demon, I mean, he really, really criticized the hell out of him. Like he contributed to it and it made it seem as if he was the primary reason that the Lakers were losing him when he wasn't. As a matter of fact, at the trade deadline, when they traded away Russell Westbrook, they got a bunch of pieces. It wasn't that they just got, got rid of Westbrook. The fact of the matter is it was a bad fit from the start. It was a bad fit. And LeBron and AD and Westbrook, all of them got to wear that. Because they were all with it. They thought it was going to work and it didn't. It didn't. So to see both of these guys not even greet each other, you knew there was something there. You knew there was something there. There's something that LeBron did that Russell Westbrook wasn't feeling. For him to not greet him? The last time Russell Westbrook held that type of malice towards a player was Kevin Durant. It was Kevin Durant. They deliberately did not come together and greet each other. So it wasn't just smoke and mirrors. We weren't just imagining it. It was a real thing. And uh, I don't think Russell Westbrook appreciated how he was shipped out of there. And the way he was covered cost that guy a lot of money. It cost him a lot of money, which I'm sure is something that Westbrook is also pissed off about. Like, yo, y'all cost me money. Tens of millions of dollars messing with you dudes. Like, what's going on? Ever since I met you dudes, my money's not been right. My money's not been right. So I'm not saying it's all LeBron's fault, but I definitely think that there's something there. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. Let me get into this topic here. Now, as you guys know, there was a big game yesterday, and the Clippers ultimately lost uh, an overtime game uh, to the to the Lakers. And prior to that, Russell Westbrook was one of the happiest men in the NBA two years ago when he signed with the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, you know, which gave him an opportunity to come home and play for his hometown team. As you guys know, uh, it ended up being an absolute disaster that season. I think they only won 34, 35 games that year. They didn't even make it into the playing tournament. And it was an absolute media like firestorm surrounding Westbrook. And he was blamed literally every single day. Uh, for what transpired with the Lakers. Now, to be fair, Russell Westbrook also didn't play well. He had a lot of blunders. He had a lot of bloopers. He was quite defiant with the press at times. So he contributed it. He contributed to it as well. But it was a terrible, terrible fit. And in the midst of all of that, various narratives, vicious narratives were being created about him. And um, it only started when he became a Laker. They started questioning what he's like as a teammate. He's a locker room cancer. Dave McMenamin put out a report calling him a vampire, that they were referring to him as a vampire. And I was like, that's surprising. That's the very first time I have ever heard Russell Westbrook get referred to by his teammates or a team as a locker room vampire. Never heard anything uh, like that. But you could tell that the Lakers and those guys in that locker room were trying to make him the scapegoat. And they successfully did that to the tune of costing this guy tens of millions of dollars a year. Think about this. Russell Westbrook, before he joined the Lakers, his last season, he was expected to be paid over $45 million. Now he's going to be earning $7 million over the next two years. 
You tell me, did he have a $40 million drop-off, $35 million year drop-off? Yeah, help me figure it out. I mean, every sensible NBA player has absolutely ripped any kind of ranking or anyone suggesting that Russell Westbrook is not a good basketball player. But nevertheless, some people are trying to push that line. So what happened? This morning, I was doing some research, and I came across an article via fadeawayworld.net. And the article had the headline saying, Rus Russell Westbrook sets the record straight on made-up narratives with the Lakers. So let me read what the article says. It says, it continues on. It said, just hours before tip-off against his former team, Russell Westbrook was asked to respond to the narrative on his Lakers exit last season. In the ugly divorce that took place, Westbrook was scrutinized for being a poor sport in the locker room and a selfish player who was unwilling to adjust his game. According to Russ, however, those claims were false and he never let them control his life. Nobody knows. It's just made-up narrative. It's just a made-up narrative that people make uh, easy to run with, Westbrook said. There's never been... Uh, a teammate, coach, staff, never one bad thing. It's just what's made up. But it's all going to play out. You know why? What makes people upset is how I don't give a F because I know who I am. I know what kind of person I am. So I know when people say something, I, I don't waver because I already know. I don't. I, I know what I do behind the scenes that people don't see. And I like it that way. The article then continues on. Uh, the Lakers... Uh, were initially hopeful when they traded for Westbrook, but things turned out took a turn for the worse when they struggled to win games early in the season. Eventually, it was undeniable uh, how poor they all played together, and Russ was made the center of blame for most fans and critics. The article then continues on. Westbrook hate was out of control. Russ averaged 17.4 points uh, per game as a Laker, but his poor shooting and questionable decision making made uh, became a major liability for the team, and fans turned on him pretty early on. After tensions rose all season long, things reached ahead when Russ's wife, uh, Nina, admitted to reciting, de to re reciting death threats from Laker fans who hated the family name. During games, fans uh, would take booing Westbrook anytime he dared to shoot a jump shot, and it got to his head at, in the end. Eventually, the Lakers were finally able to move on from Westbrook and his exit. They will later be described as removing a vampire from the locker room. Unfortunately, Russ's reputation may never fully recover. So that's what the article had to say there. Now, I think that these people would have a point about Westbrook if we can pull up other occasions where when this was said about the guy. I've never heard this. Not with the Thunder, not with the Houston Rockets, not with the Washington Wizards, not with the Clippers. Why is it all of a sudden just at the Lakers that all of a sudden this guy became a terrible person? Y'all help me figure it out. Y'all help me figure it out. To me, I think is the machine that kicked in. And it kicked in so viciously that fans ran with it and took it to a death threats, really? 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 It means that much to you to be sending like, and I know it's not a, it's, it happens all over sports. Really? It happens in every sport. Really? Life is that effed up that you're going to be sending death threats to people over a, a, a game? A game. They took it too far. Skip Bayless did not help. Skip Bayless was an absolute jackass. When it came to the Russell Westbrook slander, even yesterday, Richard Sherman, Keyshawn Johnson were pushing back on Skip because he tried to come up with another ridiculous 
absurd argument for Westbrook. What, uh, 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 Skip is just sitting back and waiting for this guy to fail. That's his only job. He's just sitting there waiting for this guy to fail, which is sad. Which is sad. Westbrook was demonized to the point where now people that never supported him actually became Russell Westbrook fans because now they want to see the guy succeed. It got that bad that people that never rooted for him at any point in history started to support him. I don't believe a single word that was said about Westbrook coming out of the lake. I don't believe it because no one else has said it. It's like you date five women. You break up and they're like, you know, he's a gentleman, nice guy. He wasn't cheap, blah, 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 blah. You know, intelligent guy. And then you date and then one girl comes out. He was abusive. He was horrible. He didn't brush his teeth. He smelled. He was cheap. All of, And they're like, then all of a sudden we're going to take what this one person said and run with it. Why? Well, because, well, you know, she dated a lot of high profile guys. So for her to say that, come on, stop. And that's essentially what happened. I'm not seeing this vampire. That's what I'm trying. I'm looking for his fangs. I'm trying to figure out what happened to this vampire. So to me, listen, I'm glad that he set the record straight. He played well. He did have some blunders here and there, but so did everybody in that game. He has six turnovers. Was he the only one that had turnovers in that game? So to me, listen, man, I'm happy that he stood up for himself and I'm happy that his teammates are standing up for him. I'm even happy that his coach is standing up for him. Those, those allegations were absolutely outlandish because we never heard them before. Thank you for listening to today's show. And don't forget to let us know what you think about today's show on iTunes or any of your favorite podcasting platforms.